Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. Welcome back to All About HR. We're excited you could join us today. Today, I'm going to be learning all about making right decisions. Our guest today is Chris Coberly, CEO of People Element. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. And I guess we'll start with a thank you for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Uh, this is my independent journey learning all about HR, but uh, really wouldn't have gotten here without you encouraging me to just get out, get out the end of the diving board and jump. So really appreciate that and also appreciate the support you've uh, you've given us uh, it, 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 as far as sponsorship, People Element, our sponsor. I uh, just want to say thank you before we jump into the discussion. So really appreciate it. My pleasure. You're doing a great job with it. Well, we're doing our best. That's for sure. Let's, uh, let's jump in. As a avid listener, I like to start every show with, what are you listening to? So Chris, what are you listening to? Is it podcasts? Is it music? Uh, tell us what's, what's in your ears these days. Yeah, so uh, it sort of depends on on where I am, but I I listen to a lot of things. Um, when it comes to podcasts, I think Joe Rogan um, probably dominates uh, in terms of any other that I listen to. Um, if I'm in the car, I listen to sports radio quite a bit. Our local sports radio radio here in Denver. Recently finished Ready Player Two, um, sequel to Ready Player One, pretty popular. Um, and I think Ready Player Two was a good a good follow up. Um, and then I, I just love audiobooks. So, um, on top of Ready Player Two, now I'm just getting back into a series that I have listened to before. I'm going to listen to it again. It's a Brandon Sanderson series. Uh, it's a fantasy, uh, type series. I like to escape a little bit when I'm reading or listening to audiobooks. So, um, I do like your, your standard, uh, you know, business. Uh, books as well, but my favorite are the uh, the things I can kind of escape with, and 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 so I'm going to start a new series here. Should take me uh, a lot of time because each of the books is 40 hours long, about, and um, there are uh, four of them. So looking forward to it. Sweet, yeah, that's a pretty broad spectrum. It's funny you talk to a lot of professionals, and everybody just talks about business books and learning and growing and developing and. That's that's super important, but I also think what you touched on is also super important, which is connecting and getting outside of uh, getting outside of that space at the same time. So great to hear you're you're finding your balance, Chris. Yep, thanks. Also, to note you mentioned Joe Rogan. One of the things I respect most is his podcasts are like three hours. The average podcast 20, 30, 20, 30 minutes, maybe fifty minutes, but he can just go for three hours, and it's always interesting all the way through. I do not know how he does it. Yeah, maybe. Uh... Maybe someday it'll be the Tom Horn podcast, uh, three hours long, and it'll be just as good. Um, but that's tough to beat, Joe Rogan. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going for that yet. Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's dig in. Let's talk about. You know, I'm really excited about this topic. I know it's something you talk a lot about. I'm really excited to to get a couple layers deeper with you, and that's the topic of of making right decisions. What are what are some of your initial thoughts on just decision-making that you see with organizations you're working with, Chris? 
Yeah, I'd say that, you know, in my experience, and I've, I've worked with, with many, many organizations um, and at, at every level, and in my experience, the, the single biggest gap um, to, to Im- increased um, effectiveness and success is an effective decision-making process. Um, and, and I don't think that there is really a good argument for anything close. Um, an effective decision-making process can make all the difference. So at the, at the very highest level, um, and, and I'm going to pull some, some stats and things that, that I've read from uh, an article that's in Harvard Business Review called The Decision-Driven Organization. It's by Marsha Blanco, Michael Mankins, and Paul Rogers. Um, one of the, one of the things that, um, they demonstrated in a study that they did was that there's a 95% correlation between a, a solid decision-making process and financial success. Um, and, and, you know, I think that in our, in our reality, that's a, that's something that everyone is striving for. Uh, and so, and, and in fact, there's a quote, um, and I'm not sure which one of the authors, uh, coined it, but there's a quote from their article that says ultimately a company's value is just the sum of the decision it makes and executes. So, so that that's may seem obvious when you think about it. Um, uh, but it's so impactful because when you, when you think about a big organization, let's say, um, I don't know, Tesla or Amazon or something like that, their value is, is really a sum of the decisions that they make as an organization. But, but, that's big and hard to even think about. Um, and so bring it all the way down. And I, I think that same uh, statement holds true at lower levels, like at the department level, the department, a, a department's value is a sum of the, the decisions it makes and executes. And, and that's why decision-making is so key, so important uh, to success. So, I mean, we've all been making decisions forever and, and, I think whenever I go to make a decision, I think, all right, what's the best decision I can make? So I, I approach it with some sort of intent to make a good decision. Where's it all go wrong? So uh, maybe I'll answer your question in a little bit different way. I think there, um, I'll call it four or five keys to a, a good decision-making process. Um, in, in particular, in an organization, although I'll say that I apply this to my personal life too. And as I make decisions, I, th- I think that there's a, there's a good process there. So, so first, um, is that it's, it's top down or org wide, maybe more importantly, meaning the, the, the highest levels of leadership that have the most power need to be bought into this decision-making process for it to be effective across the organization. Because if it's, if you have different decision-making processes, depending on what department department you're in, then things will fall apart, especially as you get into anything cross-functional and organizations today are pretty much all cross-functional. Um, you, you, decisions are made across those, those parts of the organization. So top level of the leadership need to be bought in so that it can be implemented org wide. Uh, the second is roles. People need to know who makes what decisions, who's, whose job it is to make certain decisions. And they need to know who stakeholders or key stakeholders are in those decisions so that everyone knows their role, what their responsibility is in a decision-making process. It's not very complicated. Um, it, usually these things are sort of, um, s- people tend to know subconsciously, but until you start asking the question, um, it, it's, it's hard to nail down. 
third that's critical to a good decision-making process is that there has to be an info gathering, uh, information gathering. You, someone, usually a decision-maker, needs to demonstrate, not just for the sake of the decision, but for the trust in the decision that they're making, that they're going to gather all the information they need to make the most right decision. And and you said most right decision, or you said right decisions, and, and I use that word right be, not because it's not going to be wrong, or it's perfect and it's never going to be wrong. It means that today, with all the information that you have and the time you have to make the decision, it's the most right decision that you can make. And you make that now, and it it may change as new information uh, comes up, but it, it's it's the most right based on what you know and and or can know today. And then uh, fourth, communication. Once a decision is made, then you need to communicate it out and. Um, not just explain what the decision is, but why the decision was made. If you've done your job and gathered the right information, included the stakeholders in the process, then when you make that decision, you should be able to explain to anyone and justify why the decision you made is the decision you made, uh, at least where, where appropriate. And then I think the last thing, and this is critical, is decisions aren't revisited. I'd say that um, organizations spend more time revisiting decisions because of um, because that is a way that people can get what they want if they can continue to come back and try to uh, force decision makers to revisit the decision. Decisions shouldn't be revisited unless there is new information um, to be added to to the equation and make that decision. Um, this helps eliminate the the political reality that can happen in decision making where people are trying to to force their agenda as best they can. And, that, and that's not their fault. That's a learned process because we allow it. And as you decide who decision makers are and and then don't revisit decisions um, and communicate what those decisions are is why and why, then, then that's when um, politics goes by the wayside. And instead, the organization is the important thing, not who wins the argument. The first thing that really sticks out to me is that I was thinking about the decision-making, but what you talked about was the process of decision-making. And that's the key word is the process that you bring to decision-making. Yep. Does this, does this process have to start with you know, a CEO or a department manager and cascade it down? It sounds like somebody has to own and understand this process um, to get it implemented. Is that, is that a correct assumption? If you're going to have an effective decision-making process for an organization, then then yes, it needs to start with with the top. Um, but I think that that there are things you can do if you're not that person. So if you're thinking, well, I'm not the CEO or I'm not the COO or I'm not the the VP of whatever. Um, how, how can we improve decision making in our organization? There, there are um, some things you can do. And if I, if I was going to leave you leave the the audience with one thing that they could do, um, that's pretty easy to do. You don't need a you know a full organizational uh, process installed. Um, that would be when you're in meetings um, or encountering a decision with with a group of people. Then that's the right time to just simply ask who is the decision maker. Who is the decision maker for this? When you start asking that question, it starts the process of people thinking, wait a minute, who is the decision maker? And what does that mean to be the decision maker? And it, it just change, starts to change slowly from the ground up. Um, and in fact, I, I asked my, I, t- I was talking to someone recently who was struggling with this in their organization. 
they tried it the next day and it w- the, the results were amazing um, because it was shocking at first. It was almost disruptive because they weren't used to it. They're used to their politics. Who can convince who? But when you ask this question, it changes the entire mindset of everyone involved. Um, and, and it was pretty incredible to see what a difference it made. That's awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll jump right back into the conversation. We'll be right back. All right, this is the HR Hot Sauce segment of our show. Chris, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Fantastic. Let's go. What's the best job you've ever had? This one. What's the one phrase at work that drives you nuts? Quote, I don't know, unquote. Do you like working on rainy or sunny days? Yes. How can someone make your day at work? Provide solutions. Best useless skill? I'm great at spelling. Mild, medium, hot, or nuclear? Medium. Favorite interview question to ask or be asked? Tell me about yourself. (laughs) That's the HR hot sauce. Thanks, Chris. Let's get back to the show. All right. We are back talking with Chris Coberly about making right decisions. It's been a very interesting conversation for me. Um, uh, Chris, would you mind talking about as we kind of – finish up this part of our conversation, talk a little bit about some of the decision-making that led people to where they're at today. Sure. Um, yeah, maybe first of all, I'll say that I've been at the company for about 15 years, and we've we've been through quite a bit of change and evolution. Um, I'd say the biggest decision that, that we've made as a company um, over the, those 15 years was to, was to shift from a uh, primarily services or tech-enabled services company to a technology company or a SaaS uh, company in terms of the product that we offer and sell. Um, that was a big decision, and and it was a it was a difficult decision. Um, there were significant pros and cons on each side of of that decision. Um, do we double down on on services? and and go that direction or do we double down on technology and move that direction and i'll say you know for the sake of uh you know transparency um and tom you know i'm pretty transparent um that those who were involved in that decision were not in agreement um when when it came time to make the decision and um that's a good thing um, I saw it as a good thing because it means that we're really thinking through and challenging our, our thoughts um, and, and our conclusions as it comes to the information that we were gathering, um, the reasons we might go one way or the other um, before we, we landed on a decision. Um, in the end, we, we made it the decision to move to a, a, a technology-based uh, uh, product uh, or a SaaS solution. And... Um, Ultimately, and, and since I mentioned earlier in the process, the why is is very important. I'll, I'll tell you why um, that's what we decided. Our, our vision as a company is to help our clients achieve the meaningful change that, that they're trying to achieve. And, and we decided um, after looking at everything that we could live that vision more effectively or maybe a, a better way to put it is more broadly um, we, we could impact more organizations as a SaaS company with the efficiencies that can be provided there than we could as a services company. Um, I think we would have been able to make good money as a services company, um, but make good money isn't our vision as a company. Are we trying to make money? Absolutely. Um, that we're, we're trying to grow. We want, we want to benefit 
um, the owners of the company and the employees of the company. Um, and, but, but ultimately our goal as a company is to, to, to try to help our clients achieve what they're trying to achieve. And, and I think that that's proven to be, uh, to be the right decision over time. I think that we've, we've, we, we are now, um, have the benefit of hindsight and know that, that ultimately this is the direction we should be going. And I will say too, that in terms of not revisiting the decisions, um, and, and those who are involved in the decision, supporting the decision as if it was their own. Um, another thing, that's another key aspect that I hadn't mentioned. Every member that was part of that decision, every, every person that was part of that decision, um, has supported it from day one, um, from the minute we made it as if it was their decision and we haven't looked back. Um, and, and I think that's been a key to our success since then. That's a great story. So speaking on that, you know, you, this, that decision ha- happened several years ago and then 2020, the pandemic hit, everything changed, the entire workforce. Yeah. So uh, when we, um, you know, I, I can't say that, that every decision we made, um, was with, or any decision we made was with the foresight of how we would be impacted by COVID. Um, that was, you know, it was shocking and um, unexpected, I'd say, by by most everyone in the world. Um, that said, the decisions that we made ultimately benefited us greatly as, in our ability to, to work our way through COVID um, in, in many ways. Uh, one, and maybe most importantly to us, is our people. I, I think that we, we, we wanted to together, um, as a single organization, all of us, um, we wanted to be aligned and row together to get through this challenge and see it as a challenge that we would work through together, um, not, not as a thing that was going to destroy us. Um, at, at the same time, we were very fortunate because it, with our transition into uh, being a SaaS um, solution, we also had expanded our, our markets that we worked in. And so um, many out there probably know, depending on what market you, you primarily are in, it changed dramatically from one market to another how COVID impacted it. Um, and so we were more diversified across many markets instead of uh, two traditional markets that we had been in before that as a services company. Um, and so I, I, with, with all that being said, I think we... we we fared through um, fine. Uh, we 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 didn't achieve all the goals we wanted to achieve that we had set out um, at the beginning of the year. But um, with all the context uh, that that COVID, uh, everyone already knows about COVID. I think that we we ended up uh, with with a, having a good year and with employees that were engaged and part of something that um, that we knew. Um, we could accomplish. And, and on top of it, we took the opportunity to, to pivot and, and reach out and help the community in any way that we could, um, with, with, uh, COVID surveys that we provided, um, without any charge with, um, diversity, inclusion, and belonging surveys that we provided without any charge just to anyone who wanted to do those so that they could, they could figure some things out, um, and and we could help them to try and and achieve their goals, as I mentioned, as is our vision. That's great. What are some of the results that you've seen from working with these organizations out there, from their perspective of getting through uh, COVID, um, specific to employee engagement? Sure. Yeah. Um, we we so we published um, 
earlier this year a, a report, a 2020 engagement report that you know anyone's welcome to go to go download from our website. Um, that that outlines essentially what what the findings were from the, all those who asked their employees for opinions in in 2020. One of the things we saw is that um, overall people's engagement went up, and it went up, you know, a decent amount. I'd say more than we've seen uh, measurable in in a long time um, across all organizations and industries. Um, part of the reason for that, one of the key drivers for it, is the increased commitment by employees to their employer. So um, that that's a complicated thing, I admit, um, because when when things are really bad and um, it seems like you wouldn't be able to get a job elsewhere, then sentiments of commitment can increase. Um, and however, I don't think that's the only driver that existed. I also think a lot of organizations, especially the ones that we worked with, um, found ways to adjust and pivot themselves so that they could adapt and and try and help and take care of their employees while their employees continued to, to do the work that they needed to be done. So um, everything from you know remote work, which we all know about, to increased flexibility, um, to different um, programs that uh, organizations were installing to try and help um, people deal with the, the reality that they were dealing with. Um, so I think employers took opportunities that were the most obvious ones right in front of them and employees responded to that as well. So, so beyond just... Um, you know, the the maybe more pessimistic view that desperation uh, or lack of opportunity creates commitment. Um, I, I think that, that that's part of the factor. But I also think that um, employee employers responded often to the circumstances and employees appreciated that that response. So that's really good because that increased engagement overall um, that that made it so that employers were able to survive, which uh, allowed them to continue to employ their employees, um, at least in many cases. Um, however, there's a big pent up reality then coming, which is if part whatever part of that was a lack of or or a scarcity of opportunity, whatever part of that commitment was was related to scarcity of opportunity, suddenly will go away, is going away, or has gone away, um, and and as a result of that, there there's there is a um, there's a problem created in in the workforce in the market for employers and. Um, it's important that they think about how they might proactively or at this point, maybe reactively respond to that that situation. Yeah, you uh, you got ahead of me as you were going through the first part of that answer. I started thinking, yep, that's great. That makes sense. And then started thinking, you know, you start hearing, you know, the great resignation and all the conversations about, um, you know, trying to get jobs filled and people leaving their jobs, even when they don't have something lined up. How did all that come together? So you, you already went right, right to that without me asking. So I, uh, I appreciate that. You, you, you should be a co-host. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. You got enough hats on. Um, so how do you see, uh, let's sidebow on this and, and, and kind of come back full circle. How do you see 
what advice might you give to organizations right now as far as the decisions they're making and how they go about navigating where we're at today? We got through the bulk of COVID. There's Delta variant. There's a lot of, you know, well-being and, 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 and people that are still trying to fight, um, uh, fight back through everything they've been through over the last years. But where we're at today with those pressures and with the realities that we're seeing, um, what is some advice, um, that you would give to organizations trying to make decisions to get through, um, and, and be successful here and now? Yeah. Um, so. This may sound self, uh, self-promoting, um, and and I I don't mean it that way at all. But listen, listen to your employees, and respond. I think that that is the single biggest thing that that organizations can do right now is listen and respond. Um, I'm not saying call us up. Um, it, it is what we're in the business of doing and it's what we love doing and that we're, we're passionate about. It's, it's our vision is to help organizations adjust so that they can be successful and their employees can be happy. Um, but with anyone, however you do it, whatever way you do it, listen to your employees and respond that, that I think is the single biggest thing you can do. And, and, the, and I'll relate this a little bit to before and after COVID, or I don't, I don't know if we call it after, but let's say before COVID and now, um, before COVID, there were issues, you know, at your organization, whoever you are, you had issues or, or even for you as an employee, you had concerns. COVID came, those concerns got dampened, um, or set aside momentarily because now I have bigger problems, different, bigger problems. And so companies reacted because that was easy. They didn't, they didn't necessarily need a, an employee survey to figure out what they needed to do to react, um, at least not at the highest level. And so they react and employees are committed and happy. That starts to fade over time. And now we're back to before, or at least some of the things that existed before, whatever those things were that existed before exist today still. And they may be even harder for an organization to fix because they, they have to deal with all the things they're still doing as a response to, to COVID or um, some of the social unrest that we had. They're, they still, there are still existing core issues that have to be addressed. And, and I think that that's where the, call it reactive or proactive, depending on where you are, I think every organization is in a different state of, of coming out of that, that commitment level from their employees. But you need to understand what's important to your employees and react and and show them that you're reacting. Let them know that you you care beyond just working remote. Um, not that that's a small thing. I'm not and I'm not saying it's a small thing or an easy thing for organizations to do. I'm saying that there are core issues and people have now um, now have a new way to process things. They have new information. Um, so maybe a better way to say it, they have, they have new information that is these things can happen to me. This pandemic is a, is a thing that's made me reevaluate my life a little bit and what's important to me. Maybe I want to stay home and that, that decision gets really, really easy. If those core issues still exist, 
that the employee was already frustrated frustrated with before COVID ever happened. Now I don't even I'm not even happy at work. So and and I want to stay home easy. And and so I think uh, again I'll, I'll re-say it um, like a broken record. Listen to your employees and respond. However you do it in any way, whatever is your way, do that. And I think that that's where uh, that, that's the advice I would give. That is sound advice, Chris. This has been this has been awesome. This has been I've really genuinely enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it's been very insightful. Uh, Want to thank you for for being our guest today. Uh, will you come back, Chris? Do we have the opportunity to have another conversation with you down the road? Absolutely, anytime. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here. Well. For all of us, want to say thank you again uh, to Chris. Thank you to People Element, our sponsor. Want to thank Laura, our producer, and thank all of you for listening. This is Tom Horn, and we've been learning all about HR. We'll see you next time. Take care.